for young children, their imaginations do create a lot of fear. I'm Rachel. And I'm Marcela. And you're listening to the Parenting with Understanding podcast. We are parenting coaches who have helped millions of parents like you all over the world go from feeling isolated and hopeless, unable to break the cycle of permissive or punitive parenting to feeling confident in parenthood and connected to their children's needs. Hi, Rachel. Hi, Marcella. I'm so happy to be back for another week. And I'm excited about today's topic as well. I got a lot of great feedback from last week's episode on common fears for preteens and teens. Um, So I'm excited to tackle the common fears for those younger children as well. Yes, that's going to be the topic for this episode. Common fears among young children. I'm saying children under eight, toddlers, preschoolers, kindergartners. What do they fear and how we can help them and support them? Before we go there, this is Halloween week. I'm sure that a lot of you, my listeners, are preparing yourself with the kids' customs. (laughs) Maybe you're going to do a Halloween party or taking the kids trick-or-treating. Maybe you're going to a Halloween event. And for little kids, Halloween could be exciting and it could be scary because for children, especially under six, the the separation of reality and fiction is not really there. It's a blur. For them, it could actually be the same. Somebody in a scary mask for them could be a real monster. And as much as we want as gentle parents to protect our kids from getting scared and things like that, Many times when we are out there in public, (laughs) it's hard to control the environment, you know? It's hard to control who's going to show up in a scary mask. So how can we support our children emotionally so they feel safe, so they feel soothed, suited, so they feel that they are able to actually go through that time as psychologically safe as possible? And number two, trick-or-treating it's Yes, it is an exciting time, and at the same time, there are dangers out there with the candy, <laughs> even with the customs, uh, with children just being on the street. There are dangers out there. So for that reason, HIC Parenting created uh, a free resource for you. It is a downloadable with guidelines for two things. Number one, to provide emotional support to little kids during scary things in Halloween. And number two, safety. Safety tips for parents that they need to know, that they need to be aware of uh, about when it comes to candy, when it comes to the trick-or-treating experience, when it comes to street and custom safety. So this is a free resource. If you want to get it, all you have to do is go to hicparenting.com or You can open the description of this podcast episode and you can download it free there or go to the link in my bio at Heimpet Club. Okay, so let's start with the topic, common fears among young children. A very common one is fear of the dark. Is Peyton afraid of the dark? Yeah, as long as her dad or I are around, she's fine. And if she wakes up and she's in a room with the dark you know, it doesn't seem to bother her too terribly bad. But if she is put in a room 
where like or the lights go off or if like she thinks I'm walking out of a dark room and leaving her in there, then yes. I mean, she, she does. She freaks out a little bit. So I, I think that's definitely a common fear for children. Yeah. How about the twins? The twins are um, in that regard. No. And you know what? Now that Abuelita is here, it's very interesting for her to see a lot of the behaviors that the twins have because the other day it was about getting time to be bedtime and they were playing in the backyard. Of course, of course it was night, it was dark, uh, but we had our backyard lights on. And then I, I just, I was in the house. They were alone in the backyard playing. They're six years old, so they can be alone in the backyard. And I, I just said, ah, it's about to be bedtime. Pretty soon I'm just going to go out there and tell them to come in. And Abuelita went ahead of me and she turned the lights off uh, of the backyard and they kept on playing. And then she came up to me and then she said, wow, like I turned the lights off in hopes for them to feel scared and come in. <laughs> you know, that was her, her intention, her traditional parenting intention. But it didn't work. They, keep, they kept playing. I'm like, because I have not used that <laughs> as a behavior strategy, uh, they don't associate darkness with disconnection, being alone, or something scary. They don't have that in their system. That's why they're, they're, they're playing. She's like, wow. And then it was an aha moment for Abuelita. She said, wow, like I just, I just had a realization. I'm like, what, what was it? She said, huh, like I'm so scared of the dark. Uh, she smokes a lot, but she, she doesn't go in the dark. Like she doesn't go out there if it's dark already to smoke. She'd rather stay here and, uh, and contain her, her desire to smoke. She'd rather stay in the home that, that smoking, which she loves smoking. But then she said, it's because when I was a kid, that was something that my parents used to make me do things. Oh, I'm going to turn the lights off if you don't come in right away. Or the devil is going to come on. Like she said, like the devil is going to come out at you if you, don't, if, you don't come, if you don't come inside right now. Or there is going to come the, I don't know, a witch or the cocoa. If you are Latino, you know what the cocoa is. The cocoa is, I don't know who the cocoa is. But they've, they've scared us a lot with the damn cocoa. If you don't do this, the cocoa's going to come for you. If the light goes off, the cocoa's going to come for you. And then she said, wow, that's, that's why I'm so afraid of the dark. And I just realized it's because my parents put that fear in me. And I thought that children are just naturally afraid of the dark. I'm like, no, they're not. The proof is that the twins are still playing in the backyard. I went out there and I said, hey, guys, the, the lights are off. And then they say, yeah, they're off. I'm like, what about if we go for bedtime? The lights go off when it's time to wind down, relax, and go to bed. And they said, oh, yeah, we'll be there in a minute. I trusted them and they came in after two yeah. minutes. It wasn't a minute. It was like two minutes they came in. That's up an interesting point because, you know, whenever... The only times I've ever seen Peyton be afraid of the dark is when she's alone, which I think is another common fear for children is being left alone. And, you know, when we're talking about this topic of fear, traditionally speaking, it, we, we do do that. Like traditional parents do use fear a lot as a motivator to get a child to modify their behavior. 
And what I, what I think is, is interesting is if we look at fear from like a Halloween perspective, you know, I don't know if you saw this video or some of our viewers may have seen it. There was a viral video recently where a daycare worker put on a screen mask and went into multiple rooms within a daycare, um, not at the approval of her supervisor. She actually said in an apology video that her supervisor, she knew her supervisor would not have agreed with that decision. But she said, we had tried positive reinforcement and the kids weren't changing their behavior. So several of the teachers decided that one of them would put on a screen mask and it's traumatizing. It's it's very triggering to watch those videos and watch the faces of the children. And I think what what was so interesting to me is that I saw parents on in every different style of parenting, including traditional, in an uproar about that. Like this is traumatic. This is abusive. I would come unglued, you know. But what we fail to realize is that when we use fear as a motivator in our parenting, like what you just described with Abuelita, she's now in her 60s or I, I don't know if we should list. She may, she may not want to. She's 75. 75. And she's great. She does look fantastic. Yeah. So, you know, the fact that a 75-year-old woman is still afraid of the dark because of fear tactics in her childhood speaks volumes about the way that it affects our nervous systems, not just in our childhood, but into adulthood as well. So, you know, while we're talking about children being afraid of the dark or being alone, it makes me think of using isolation as a form of punishment, you know, like telling a child, well, I'm going to send you to your room alone to think about what you've done, or you've got to go in there and calm down, or you need to go in there until you can stop crying. And then you can come out and back out and talk to me. The message that we're teaching our children is that discipline can't happen without disconnection. Wow. And if you want to be connected, you have to hide pieces of yourself in order to maintain connection with others. And let's think about how their children's brains perceive fearful tactics, right? Yeah. So let's go back to that image of those little kids screaming at, at that scary mask. When we tell our children, if you don't brush your teeth, then all your teeth are going to fall out. If, yeah. if, if you don't brush your teeth, you're going to get so sick, then you won't be able to eat candy again, ever again anymore. When we use those kind of fear tactics, or if you don't brush your teeth, then that means that you're not going to have A, B, or C, or you're not going to see daddy tomorrow. Those, the brain receives that fear tactic the same way as if the child is seeing a scary mask. Because yeah. the, the brain doesn't distinguish be, between, okay, this is scary, uh, but, but because my mom is concerned about my teeth. No, they just the brain just interprets, interprets it and receives it. The neuroception is, this is scary. Something bad is going to happen to me. And that happened to me a lot growing up. If, if you don't eat, you're going to get so sick that uh, you're, you're going to fly out. You're going to be so thin that you're going to fly out. What did that do to me? <laughs> it did a lot, a lot to me. Yeah. I remember I was having constipation issues. And then the fear was, 
If you don't eat enough fiber, you're gonna get very sick. And you see Papito, he died from colon cancer. The same thing is gonna happen to you. And up until this day, I think about it and it scares the heck out of me thinking about sickness. And it's because sickness was used as a fear tactic to make me do things growing up. You know, the other day, Peyton said to me, she had a bad dream and she woke up and she said, mommy, you remember that monster was trying to pick me up? And I kept saying no. And I was trying to run to you, but you wouldn't pick me up. And she was like, do you remember that? And like, she totally thought that her, what she was imagining in her dream was reality because she doesn't have the cognitive ability to differentiate the two, right? And so I I had a talk with her about how dreams can feel very real and that that they're not real. And I said, mommy will always pick you up if you're ever crying for me. I will always pick you up. And she was like, okay. And she she wasn't, she didn't seem traumatized by her dream, but it just, it was a really big wake up call to me that her imagination and her dreams she thought I was actually there and would not hold her, you know, and it just like broke my heart for, for her and, you know, children at that age. And I think that that's another thing that I see a lot is that for young children, their imaginations do create a lot of fears. And the more that they understand their world, the more, um, their imaginations can kind of run wild a little bit, you know? So I think this is where we have to be careful about what our children see, what they hear, what they watch, what environment they're around whenever you're going trick-or-treating even, you know? Like if parents are considering taking their children to a haunted house, but they've still got these children that are in this young stage where they can't differentiate between imagination and reality, I would probably discourage that parent from doing that until that child is old enough to understand, you know, this is, this is not real. This is, you know, it's, it's silliness in most cases, you know, but, um, you know, or until they're old enough to make the decision wisely for themselves maybe. But yeah, I, I think spooky season can really do a number on little, little kids. And you know what? It depends not only on age, it depends on the child's history when it comes to their attachment to their caregiver and their trauma history. And I talk a little bit about that in the freebie of Halloween safety and emotional support for little kids, because even if your child is seven years old, he might not be able to handle seeing a scary mask if that child has... Uh, a, a different attachment style, not a secure attachment style, or if that child has trauma. Yeah. My foster son, he was nine years old at the time, and we knew that if we were going to go trick-or-treating around the neighborhood, that that wasn't an option for us because he has so much trauma regarding many things that we knew that um, and then the unexpected, there is a lot of unexpected when it comes to Halloween. The, the ghost popping up, the, the witch popping up, like that unexpected does a lot to a child who has a traumatized brain. So we just decided to go to the mall where all the lights are up uh, and he just sees little kids dressing in the little costumes and 
and nothing that unexpected like that. So just to be aware of not just um, your child's age, but is my, does my child have a trauma history? Does he have sensory needs? I know when it comes to Santi, uh, a haunted house might not be a good option for him with all the lights and the noise. So, right. and then how long can they handle all that sensory input? Because there, there is a lot of sensory things when it yeah. comes to trick-or-treating, the noise, the lies, the things that they see. Yeah, I wonder about that. I, w- I was actually, I'm glad that you brought Santi up knowing that he has sensory needs. Whenever you're trick-or-treating, a lot of times people will put, they'll either dress in a costume and it looks like they're just sitting on a bench, but it's a real person and they pop up and scare you. Um, or there are actually like mechanical fake dolls, you know, that you can do that kind of stuff with. With a child that has sensory needs, what would you say would be some good, like if you still want to go trick-or-treating, how can you prepare the child for those moments? Or what can you do as like a precaution before going? Um, And what would you tell parents to do in the moment, say their child is all of a sudden just like so scared by something? What would be your advice to parents? So number one, to understand your child's sensory needs. I understand Santi's. It's noise and it's feeling a crowd around him, right? It's not so much the lights uh, and it's not even so much about the unexpected for him. So, because I know that, that it is the noise and the crowd, we usually, when we see a little crowd of trick-or-treating kids going to a house, we just usually wait for the little crowd to kind of dissipate, and then we go in. And then when we are walking on the neighborhood, if we see that there are loud noises in a house, we ask him and we say, like, look at this house, it has loud noises. If we go there, it's going to be louder. It's going to get louder. Do you feel prepared to do that? Or do you want to skip this house? So a lot of communication with the child uh, helps. Even taking, I, I haven't done that because something has not needed. But even taking noise-canceling headphones might help. And to lower your expectations in terms of the time that you're going to be trick-or-treating. It might not be an hour. It could be maybe 20 minutes. And you might have more than one child, so you might need the help of other adults, like prepare beforehand. I'm going to go with Abuelita or I'm going to go with, with Brian, not me alone. So in, just in case Santi yeah. is done with trick-or-treating, then I could continue with Miguel and Abuelita could come back with Santi. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think for children who are caught in the moment and the child that is scared the first thing that they need is to know that they're safe with you, you know? Yes. So I would encourage parents to avoid language like, you're okay, you're okay, you're okay. Instead of telling the child, you're okay, I would tell them, you're actually, you're safe. You're safe. I'm here. Because we mean, I think a lot of times when we say you're okay, we're meaning you're safe, you're safe, safe, you're safe. But it feels to them like they, like we're telling them like, okay, you need to be okay right now rather than not okay, right? (laughs) Um, So letting them know, like, you're safe, I'm here, um, and validating, that was really scary. I'm sorry that popped out of nowhere. We'll we'll be, you know, here's how we can avoid that in the future. And, you know, maybe when you're walking up to a house and you see something that's sitting up on a bench or sit like any type of animatronic that could potentially move – it might be a good idea to say to the child, okay, so we can walk up to this house 
like the, like you did with Santi in the noise, you know, telling a child, okay, that that person or that thing may move when you get close, or they may grab your hand if you go in to get the candy, you know, or something like that. Are you okay with that? Or do you want to skip this house and go to one that feels a little more safe? And again, just that that is parenting with understanding, you yes. know, it's taking into account the emotional, psychological, and developmental needs of your child, rather than looking at them and saying, oh, you should, you should think like an adult thinks. You should feel like an adult feels, you know? Right. Plus, we, in our adult experience, we associate, like, Halloween should be scary, so they should, like, feeling scary is a normal thing for Halloween, but when it comes to little kids, no. They should have fun. They should feel like they're enjoying the experience, but they shouldn't feel scary, scared. Yeah. I, I would not try to, because that's another thing, because it's Halloween, I'm just, it's okay if they feel, if they feel scared. Um, even the, I've seen adults doing things to make things scared. Uh, have you seen those, that, those very viral, trendy videos on TikTok that they put uh, the kids in a, oh, in a bathroom yes. and then they show yeah. the ghost? Just yes. for the, the laughs. Uh, I don't know why. Like, what are they thinking? Uh, I know. I don't understand that. Mm. I don't either. Yeah, I, I think that some people find feeling scared like that humorous. And maybe if they, I don't find, I don't like being scared or shocked or surprised. Like if somebody jumps out and, and scares me, I really, really hate it. It feels like a violation to me. And I think that it triggers trauma from my past because a lot of the discipline that I got felt like it came out of nowhere and it was very undeserved. So when someone jumps out and scares me, Jason and Peyton do that to each other all the time. Like they love doing it to each other. It's like their love language. But there's no trauma involved there. And Jason doesn't have trauma like that from his past. And so for them, it's not triggering. But for me, it very much is. And so I just, I think that when we're talking about children, again, if you want to put an adult in a room or if you want to, like, I don't know. I still don't think that's okay. <laughs> that's like a violation, you know, but at least but an there's adult. There's going to be a level of consent. For example, right. one thing is for me to consent to go to a haunted house i'm consenting to that to consent to go to watch a scary movie i'm consenting to that and another thing is for somebody else to decide to scare me without my consent you know those are two different things yeah and forcing you like if you were to imagine something that was actually scary to you and someone forcing you in a room and locking the door where you couldn't get away from that scary thing, that would be traumatizing. It really would, you know? And so I I just, there's a lot about this season. Ironically, some of the listeners may not know this. My daughter's birthday is on Halloween and Halloween is like, I love fall and I love like the, I love pumpkins and I love like all of the the colors of fall and everything that Halloween kind of brings in. But I really don't like fear. Fear in general, like I just feel like fear um, has so many unhealthy aspects to it and it can create so much trauma, honestly. So I think that would be my, my biggest piece of advice for the listeners would be to really put yourself in your child's shoes 
understanding that, especially for these younger kids, they can't differentiate between imagination and reality. And they could, there could be things that if we are not protective of them, that they are 75 years old and still traumatized by, you know, and we have the power to help protect them against that. So again, if you want the complete manual on how to emotionally support little kids when they get scared or leading up to scary things such as Halloween night, I encourage you to download the HIC Parenting's freebie, Emotional Support and Safety Tips for Halloween for Parents of Leo Kids. Just open the episode and the link is there. If you are one of our customers in HIC Parenting, meaning that you have any of our products or courses, join us in our Pride Facebook group, HIC Cycle Breaker Pride Facebook group. We are there every day. Encouraging you uh, mostly is a place for community, right? So we're not going to be there coaching you or anything like that, but you're going to see other cycle breakers supporting each other, giving each other encouragement. Uh, Our community manager is doing a fantastic job at keeping the community and keeping you, you know, engaged there. And then Rachel and I, once in a while, pop in there as well. So join us there. And if you like this episode, leave us a review. Let us know how it helped you. How has the Parenting with Understanding podcast helped you so far? It will help us reach more people. If you're on TikTok or Instagram, you can find us at High Impact Club and The Considerate Mama on both platforms. And don't forget, it only takes understanding to break your cycle. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.